Well, good evening, everyone. It is a joy to be together. Merry Christmas, and may God bless you in this holy day season and in the holiday season. Uh, may there be lots of joy and lots of blessing and lots of family and lots of food and lots of good things uh, that God blesses you with. But we want to focus, we want to think specifically and directly about the birth of Christ. I want to read for you Luke chapter 2. This, the tradition of reading this text is one that has gone on for hundreds and hundreds of years, and it's good just to hear it again. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling claws and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. May God bless the reading of his word. I read somewhere recently that the church should resemble more a waiting room for a needed doctor than a waiting room for a potential employer. It should be more like a waiting room to see a doctor than a waiting room for a job interview with an employer. What's the difference? Well, people in a waiting room for a potential employer try to look and be good. If you Google how to prep for a job interview, you'll find this set of instructions. Number one, make a list of at least 10 of your assets, skills, knowledge, degrees, certificates, and qualities. Number two, bring a resume and good references and recommendations. Number three, practice your answers. Number four, get your interview clothes ready ahead of time. And number five, make sure to decide what to do with your hair. Job interview 
waiting rooms are places where people present their best selves in hopes of impressing, in hopes of earning a job. But a waiting room at a doctor's office is very different, isn't it? At a doctor's office there, everybody is sniffling and groaning and bleeding and limping and crawling and wheeled in on stretchers and ready and desperate, desperate to tell the doctor what's wrong with them, how unwell they are. They wait in a doctor's office because they are sick and they know it. They don't come to tell a doctor that everything's great. They come to tell a doctor that things aren't right. They come to a doctor because they are not well and they need help. Job interview waiting rooms are where people boast of what they can do and how somebody else needs them. Doctors in office waiting rooms are where people freely admit what they cannot do and how much they need others. Potential employers waiting room people boast. In a doctor's waiting room people beg. So what waiting room are you in? What is your posture? What is the state of your heart as you come to this Christmas season? Can I suggest, friends, that you and I will understand Christmas, we will grasp Christmas only if we see ourselves as being in a doctor's waiting room, not an employer's waiting room. Some of my favorite Christmas texts are those that tell us point blank why Jesus was sent, why he came. They don't leave us any doubt. Let me, let me read a few texts to you and just, just receive God's word. Luke chapter 5, verses 31 and 32, Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus is saying, I'm not an employer looking for gifted, competent, worthy people. I'm a physician, and I'm looking for those who are sick, and they know they're sick, and they know they're weak, and they know they're dying. Luke 4 Verses 18 and 19, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus says, because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Luke 4 and verse 43, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God, Jesus says, for I was sent for this purpose. 1 John 3 and verse 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. John chapter 10 and verse 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. John 18 and verse 37, for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Jesus came not to give his opinion, not to give his options, but to tell the truth. 
to speak the truth by which we are set free. 1 Timothy 1 in verse 15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Hebrews 10, consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said to the Father, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. And what was the Father's will? Hebrews 10 goes on to say that it was that his Son, in that body that had been given to him, would offer up that body as a sacrifice for sins, to open up a new and living way for us into God's presence. So as you put all these texts together, why did Jesus come? Or maybe differently, who did Jesus come for? He came for sin-sick sinners. He came for the poor in spirit, the captive to sin and suffering, the slave to addiction and oppression, the blind to God and truth, the devil oppressed. He came for the unrighteous. He came for the barren and unfulfilled who long to have an abundant life. He came for the guilty who need a sacrifice for their sins. He came for the spiritual and moral outsider who needs a sacrifice to provide a new and a living way into God's presence. Christmas is for people who are in the spiritual ER. It's for people who know they are very unwell. They need a Savior. Christmas is for sinners. I imagine you've heard it said, as I have many times, and I have said many times, Jesus is the reason for the season. I think from God's perspective, it would be a little bit more accurate to say our treason is the reason for the season. Our treason, our cosmic rebellion against God, our sin, our brokenness, the fact that we have violated the law of God and are sin-sick and hell-deserving, it's our treason that is the reason for the season. If not for our treason, Jesus would not have had to come. But it is because we are sinners that Christ came. He came into the world to save sinners. And so simply, whether for the first time or whether for the thousandth time, um, have you come to Christ? Um, Have you been reminded again that you're one of those sinners for whom he came, that you're one of those sin-sick ones that he came to heal. You're one of the broken ones he came to mend. You're one of the diseased ones that he came to cleanse. You're one of the dying ones that he came to give life to, that you're one of the barren ones that he wants to provide abundance for. Will you see yourself not in an employer's waiting room getting ready to present yourself impressively, 
but in a doctor's waiting room, getting ready to say again and again to Jesus, I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. If you were to die tonight and were to appear in the presence of God and he was to ask you the question, why should I let you into my heaven? How would you answer that? What would you do? Would you pull out your resume and say, God, this is who I am and this is what I've done? I'm here to tell you right now that would be an exercise in futility. But you can pull out someone else's resume. You can pull out the resume of Jesus who lived a perfect life and he died as a sacrifice for our sins on the cross to bear the penalty and the curse for our sins to earn our way into heaven. He, through his sacrifice, paid the price for our sins. He, through his righteous life, earned our way into glory, earned our way into heaven so that whether tonight or next week or next year or 40 years from now when your turn comes to stand before the Father, you'll say, I have the resume of Christ. He and he alone provides my credentials. I am here because of him. So come to Jesus. Come to Jesus for the first time, for the thousandth time. Come to Jesus. Live, live as one who your home is the ER. Your home is the doctor's waiting room because you know every day, all day, for all of life, you need Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, May these simple truths be to us life and salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you. Um, thank you that despite our treason, you have loved us. And because of our treason, you sent your Son for us. May it be that every single person here, every single person here, will believe, will receive the loving mercy of Christ and your eternal forgiveness through him, the great healer of our souls. Amen.